the way we frame it to our customers uh, when talking about Power Platform governance in particular is that it's all about putting the um, the guardrails around these um, local platforms so that the citizens can keep on developing their own apps to solve their problems and uh, to deliver a good user experience and allow them to innovate without then sort of blocking their their activities with these policies that we can build with the the governance admin tools in the platform so it's always a it's a balance Welcome to the podcast Demystifying Enterprise Innovation by Agile Point. I'm your host Ajil Soheb. The goal of this podcast is to reveal the best ideas that companies are using to become more agile and innovative in the enterprise world. We talk to the ones who are at the forefront of changing the way work gets done in medium to large companies. We interview world-class thinkers at the cross-section of business and IT. Every episode is packed with inspiration and action items you can take and implement in your own enterprise environment. Check out the show notes on our website. Today, I am with Yuka Niranen. Yuka comes from Helsinki, the capital of Finland. In 2002, Yuka joined Nokia, the country's biggest tech company of that time. It's at Nokia where Yuka got exposed to CRM systems as he implemented marketing automations for the company. Currently, Yuka advises about Microsoft's low-code product called Power Platform. Yuka has been a Microsoft MVP or most valuable professional for eight years in the business applications category, and he co-founded Forward Forever, a next-gen technology agency focused on Microsoft Power Platform. Today's episode is about Microsoft Power Platform and how it's fueling a low-code, no-code revolution. Whether it's really a revolution or an evolution, and how citizen development approach fuels bottom-up innovation in enterprises. We'll talk about the market trends in enterprise automation, what people misunderstand about the Power Platform, and what's Yuka's take about the potential of Power Platform to automate business processes in coming years and months. The way I bumped into Yuka was when I read his career retrospective in which he captured how his career progressed from the year 2000 to 2020. I realized his career is intimately tied to Microsoft products, especially Dynamics CRM, Office 365, and now the Power Platform. More than Yuka, his career retrospective is a retrospective of Microsoft CRM products and how they grew over time. And when it comes to Microsoft Power Platform, you don't want to talk to any low-code, no-code, and CRM business apps advisor, but someone who intimately knows the product's evolution through its life cycle. This intimate knowledge about an enterprise software product enables a person. to advise customers regarding the right way and methodology to implement it in their own environment and how to govern it the right way that's where yuka comes in if you are exploring to use the power platform or want to get advised about how the platform plays along with other line of business systems yuka is the one you should be talking to it's time to listen and learn So tell me something about your background how have you reached where you are today Sure so my background actually comes from the CRM side 
And if we think way back to 20 years ago, so 2002, I started working at uh, Nokia, the mobile phone manufacturer from Finland, the biggest tech company ever from our country. And uh, I was then uh, started working on the the marketing automation side for their consumer customers. So working with uh, customer data and uh, lots of uh, kind of campaign automation side there. And uh, I since then moved to a bit smaller companies and uh, expanded uh, my role towards also getting hands dirty on the IT side. So technology for for doing many kinds of uh, uh, campaigning and, and CRM activities in a way. And uh, at that point, so I also then uh, kind of... Uh, assumed the role of a, a citizen IT admin, so to say. So started working with uh, many Microsoft technologies, uh, migrated our company to from legacy Lotus Notes uh, apps into Dynamics CRM and uh, SharePoint and Exchange. So uh, that was kind of uh, around 2005 when I didn't, uh, kind of entered the Microsoft ecosystem as well. And so from there on, then uh, I've been working in, in various business application uh, uh, deployment projects, initiatives, both on the customer side and the partner side. Around uh, 2010, I, it was time when the, uh, the cloud revolution was sort of starting. So then I, I started uh, deploying and uh, advocating the, uh, the cloud-based Microsoft solutions uh, uh, pretty much full-time. And uh, I, I saw that that kind of had a very disruptive impact on the business model for many of the partner companies at that time and uh, but it was uh, we were on the white side of history so to say we were pushing the the cloud agenda and um, then around uh, 2018 that was a moment when the on Microsoft side we saw this uh, merging of these um, the more enterprise uh, uh, business application solutions and then the the citizen developer focused uh, PowerX technology, and uh, that was again a very big disruptive moment. And um, based on that creation of Power Platform, then uh, is enabling. That was a moment when me and a few other co-founders then decided to start a company focusing 100% on Power Platform and this this local revolution. And that leads me today. So today I'm working as a a Power Platform advisor and co-founder at uh, Forward Forever, which is a a very new and small uh, consulting company that helps customers uh, succeed with low code using the Microsoft's platform technology. That's great. That's great. So, uh, talking from the perspective of your firm, uh, uh, does it focus more on the CRM solutions part of it because you have a pretty rich background over there, or it tackles other areas as well? Yeah. So we, of course, uh, we have a. Uh, plenty of uh, uh, team members that have experience from the, let's say, traditional business application side. But we are really trying to focus uh, customers on this, uh, the new generation of uh, applications that are sort of outside of this traditional uh, sort of uh, kind of a IT provider driven initiatives like CRM. So we are really more focused on helping the organizations themselves take ownership of their tools and build uh, new applications for for scenarios that previously don't haven't had any apps or automations in place, so that that is really with the area of Power Platform that we are uh, heavily focusing on, enabling that kind of a uh, movement towards more, more sort of bottom-up innovation within organizations. That's great. And 
based on your working and your interaction with clients and and helping them implement uh, power platform and helping them with their team onboarding and all of this stuff so what are you noticing in the market with respect to clients low code no code needs yes yeah, so uh, this is a uh, area that uh, has lots of uh, interest and uh, you could also say a bit of hype around it but it's not maybe something that companies are yet very well established on what's their strategy how do we deal with this and uh, what is the role of uh, low code and no code in our uh, bigger stack of uh, enterprise systems so uh, and you could say that uh, at the moment we are sort of in a phase where it's largely driven by individuals on the business side who then realize the power of these cloud-based services. So how much can they actually build automations on their own that would have previously required an uh, IT service provider to to do the work for them? So that usually means that it's sort of uh, still kind of these smaller pockets of innovation where the uh, technology is uh, being put into use. And from that, then uh, organizations are realizing that, okay, we actually might have something here. We should maybe think about a broader strategy around it. So I think very few companies are yet uh, kind of sort of all in with low code, but uh, I'd say that pretty much everyone we talk with are are interested in it. So from an IT perspective, uh, the Power Platform is unique in the sense that many organizations already have it, even though they haven't acquired it. And that's, of course, result of the Microsoft's strategy to bundle it with their office tools and Dynamics tools. So this leads into a very interesting kind of reversal of roles. So it's not really shadow IT in the sense that uh, it has been sort of uh, enabled and allowed by IT, but it's not something that people have really consciously acquired or implemented yet. So we often then uh, start talking with customers when they want to learn more about what are we actually already using. So then we do some current analysis, current state analysis with them, look at what's actually, what apps, what automations are already being built by members of the organization or partners that provide solutions on on Power Platform technology. And then we start thinking about, okay, what are the, what kind of governance tools and practices should we have in place around this to make sure that it's something that is sustainable and that we can keep on reaping the benefits of these uh, these citizen-driven solutions even beyond the sort of life cycle of a sim- uh, single employer employmentship with, with a with the original app makers. I think that's kind of where most companies that we talk to in Finland and in Europe are are finding themselves right now. So lots of uh, interest and uh, few initiatives, but still the bigger picture of low code and what you need to sort of survive with our platform is still you know, pretty much uh, open for many organizations at the moment. Yeah, that's uh, somewhat surprising to listen that people are already kind of using Power Platform because Microsoft has bundled it up with uh, its product suite. Uh, so have you ever been surprised? You, you've walked into a client and you find that they, they are like using it Power Platform in a pretty neat way. And we need to... Like we just need to look after the governance aspects, and they are already pretty, pretty heavy on this. I'd say that uh, 
all the time when you take the scope to a smaller level. So usually you always find some units, some teams, or at least some individuals who have been, who have sort of seen the light and started to build these solutions because of the fact that they haven't been able to uh, get the same results via the via the official channels. So via IT projects that would have been sort of uh, done via this traditional procurement of uh, getting the consultants and licenses and all things in place. So yes, uh, those are the the most, uh, let's say, beautiful systems, not from a UI or maybe even architecture perspective, but from the the business result perspective. Hmm. So uh, that happens quite a lot. And it really is then very important for us to locate those individuals and see the success that is already taking place, because that's where the rest of the organization then that needs to learn about, okay, what has been the uh, the path towards uh, making something like that happen internally. So it's really hard to give like a, a structured model that, okay, this is how you go go about with adopting Bar Platform and after these steps you will have uh, great working apps and uh, adoption, all that. So usually it uh, doesn't happen that way at this point of time at least, but more via these finding those heroes within the organizations that have understood that there's this business need and we have a set of tools that uh, I don't necessarily know that much about yet, but I'm willing to explore and learn. Hmm. So that is the mentality that really is pretty much behind anything where low code can make a big impact. And uh, these are the folks who are not willing to wait for the IT to build those things. Exactly. So they have usually been frustrated by the lack of uh, the official systems or how long it takes to uh, get something budgeted and implemented and uh, they cannot wait around so they previously would have then been using excel sheets or maybe actual databases or some shadow it that comes from the outside of the corporate it and uh, thinking about the alternatives those uh, tools that they would be using then uh, from sort of everyone's perspective tools like power platform are an excellent fit for it. So it's so much better than the alternative. Exactly. And that brings me to the point that, in fact, th- this could be a tool or a or a technology to curtail shadow IT as well. Uh, because mm. in any case, people are going to bring, uh, you know, other tools inside the organization. And this could be one way to systemize or put a governance layer on top of whatever you bring in. It definitely is. And especially for Microsoft offering, the, the platform part is more powerful than the the power apps part so to say because you can then actually uh, deploy uh, these common policies and practices and monitoring around all these different elements in those end solutions uh, so it's not so that you need a different different set of reports and uh, processes for rpa or then these mobile apps or even analytics power bi reporting and so on there's so much in common there and one thing that uh, it's not maybe always so obvious for the uh, kind of casual observer is that these are all tools that have been actually built by Microsoft themselves to be a platform. It's not something that has been acquired from different uh, uh, vendors that have all been building their own own tools there. So sure, there are some small pieces like, for example, especially on the RPA side, there some uh, outside technology that has been recently acquired there. But the core platform is very solid and it has been built for this purpose. 
and it has also been uh, sort of validated throughout the past 15 years in the, the enterprise CRM scenarios. So it's very mature in that sense because of the, the heritage that comes from these more top-down initiatives like CRM systems. What is it that people misunderstand about the Power Platform? Uh, because uh, as a platform, you could make any number of use cases out of it. So what is it that people misunderstand about it? Well, first of all, because of this commercial uh, plan that Microsoft has bundled Power Apps and Power Automate previously flow into uh, Office 365 from day one, then the positioning of those uh, tools is something that people may then uh, misunderstand a bit about what is the kind of the real plan with Microsoft for these products. So it is, they are are being used as the official extensibility layer on top of Dynamics, but they are not part of it. So they are actually as big tools as anything that would come from, let's say, OutSystems or Appian or or UiPath or whatever of these players within the uh, low-code market. So uh, just because of the fact that there's things that you can do in your Outlook, for example, to automate processes via flows or in Teams, or then build small forms on top of your SharePoint lists with Power Apps, then that doesn't mean that it wouldn't really be uh, intended to be a very sort of uh, independent business in a way. So there's mm. lots of innovation going on there, but there's also then revenue that needs to be acquired by uh, charging customers for the usage of those platforms. Because it compares to all those competitors out there, even though it has this very, very sort of uh, low ramp to get started if you, as a power user, because the apps are so integrated into what people use already in, in their office tools. And then, of course, there's uh, lots of... Um, Coming from this, the sort of credibility of the platform isn't necessarily always appreciated because uh, people don't then see that uh, there there are these uh, uh, extensibility points, there are SDKs, there are excellent integration methods and services available in platform thanks to the dynamic scenarios. So mm. the fact that all those can also be used in these uh, low-code applications and automations that's something that people don't realize because of the, the differences in branding. So Microsoft is selling Dynamics as the, the first-party applications for uh, medium and enterprise size uh, CRM scenarios. And then they have the, the power tools that are targeted mainly for the app makers today. So that has been the, the primary uh, sort of target group or for their messaging for a long time and for a good reason. But this kind of then... Uh, distorts the reality a bit that customers don't understand that this actually, the stack covers a very large uh, uh, width of these solutions from simple one-user automations into very extensive enterprise applications. That's interesting. So uh, from uh, from your firm's perspective, like forward forever, what do you see in coming months and years? Like, would it be more vertical-specific solutions or function-specific solutions that we'll see in the market? What really are you seeing playing out in the market? Yeah, that is, it's a very big question. The fact that will this also turn into a, a platform for vendors to build their own products on top of the platform? And so far, the focus, as mentioned, has been more on on the citizen heroes. And that really is more based on the fact that it 
the bundling with Office. That's the route through which the, the coverage of uh, Power Platform has become so huge so quickly. But uh, yes, for, so for example, we also uh, have been developing our own products on top of the platform already. So we have this uh, product called Sustainability Action Pack that is a, a package solutions for uh, cities or public organizations to uh, track the uh, impact of their environmental uh, actions. So something that is very uh, targeted for a, a specific uh, vertical. And uh, it is, uh, again, that practice has been really built with the same local tools that you could also use for any customer-specific apps or solutions. So mm-hmm. what we then do there is to, we're not aiming to, it to be the, uh, let's say, the only app that exists on the platform, but rather it's, again, a way for customers to then see that actually it's not only us internally that are going to be building or ordering apps to be developed on top of the platform. There's also going to be vendors who are bringing in their their IP that and leverages then the, the platform that the organization is then subscribing to from Microsoft Cloud and sort of paying for those services and licenses, which then enables the, the partners to build their own apps on top of it, own products in a lot more efficient way than if you would be doing custom Azure development and running it all on a central resource in the in the service provider's cloud. So we are now sort of exploring the model where it's actually within the customer's platform in their tenant where everything is then running on their resources. So we won't be wrong to say that your firm is sort of ahead of the curve in terms that it has built uh, in IP its own IP on top of uh, power platform and trying to get where, where, where you know the ISV is playing a bigger part than just the end customer. Yes, yeah, so we are also kind of active on that front. And uh, one, of, one of the things that we have been doing as Power Platform Advisors has also been to advise other partners on how to build a business on top of our platform. So not only helping the customer organizations, but also then any other parties who are interested in building more on more with less so with less code on our platform so that is kind of uh, because the market is uh, still fairly in its early stages so we want to ensure that so we are uh, primarily helping the ecosystem to grow because it's not a matter of competing against partners right now it's it's a matter of building the their shared capability and seeing that what will actually what does the slow code enable and how does it then change the the lives of uh, people in the organizations, in the customer organizations, as well as then on the partner side? What can they do differently with these tools? Right. That's nice. Uh, that's nice to listen that you guys are already onto that journey uh, because that's where I, I see the the big vertical specific, you know, solutions or or packages are going to come on top of Power Platform. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting uh, from a partner perspective now to consider the fact that uh, if you contrast this with the Dynamics 365 or even Microsoft 365 offerings, then there has not been a very clear role or a path yet laid out for how to be a Microsoft partner and then what benefits, what incentives can you gain from uh, uh, enabling this usage of uh, platform within organizations. 
so it has been so much driven by the uh, the customer organization themselves so i think in a way relationship directly between the customer and microsoft and the role of the partner is kind of sort of still to be defined in many ways and that leads to a situation where it can be difficult for uh, companies who are working in in this space and who are providing uh, solutions, services, and products on top of their the existing MS Cloud. So when, when to then expand to this uh, new territory and why? How to justify then that you are making uh, investments in this area where the model is still a bit unclear, that who's going to be, through which means does the money come, come to you, and uh, even what is the competition out there? Yeah, and the IP that you have built, it, uh, can you... Can you elaborate more about it? It's for specific industries, uh, oil and gas sort of industries? Yeah, so uh, our product really it consists of uh, various different uh, apps in the platform and using them for measuring the uh, sort of impact of the environmental activities that uh, cities, for example, in Finland are have to perform to meet the requirements so reducing the carbon emissions and all that sort of that footprint measuring those and making them visible also to the uh, uh, citizens the actual citizens that live in the, in those cities so for th- for that kind of uh, we have a, a framework now where those actions activities and results can be first of all managed internally in dataverse via power apps uh, and also have, for example, notifications to the people who are responsible for updating these uh, items, keeping track of them, reporting all the results to provide information there, and then also surfacing that uh, publicly via via these portals, which are now called Power Pages, the technology for sharing the the business data broadly outside the organization. So we are applying those tools in a uh, from the Power Platform stack in a way that uh, basically any organization could themselves build. But when we are then thinking about the capacity for these uh, municipalities and other public uh, organizations, so they don't really then yet have internally those kind of uh, uh, local developers that could be uh, sort of uh, pushing for these things to be built on this level with with the uh, power platform tools themselves. So we then offer a an extensible, uh, so to say, template on top of it. It is an actual product, but you can, of course, it can scale to to even bigger organizations, bigger cities, and uh, to different markets yeah, outside uh, Finland, for example. I, I imagine facility management and municipal uh, and oil and gas, these, these would be all the verticals would be interested in such a solution. Definitely. And uh, the th- thing is, of course, that you that do need expertise on what the problem really is. So uh, right mm-hmm. now we, we are kind of, uh, we've been doing this uh, for a particular vertical with with the sustainability action pack. And then at the same time, we are working on enabling both customers and partners to understand then the, the horizontal toolkit there that what is what does this actually apply for? What should you build on the Power Platform and what should you not maybe try to build on top of it? So it is a very getting the balance right there from a commercial perspective that can we actually or should we build this on a platform that is uh, mostly licensed per user? So it means that it's not 
uh, our platform is not yet the right toolkit for many of these uh, consumer-facing application scenarios, for example. But for internal processes, it definitely is the, I would of course say I'm biased in that sense, but it's the, the best solution that you could could adopt if you are using Microsoft Cloud tools already today. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Something interesting that will play out in the future and we'll, we'll watch out. So what's the future roadmap of Power Platform? What do you want to see it being, you know, built? Like, what, is, what do you see coming in? from the Power Platform roadmap? Well, if we think back a bit, what has been happening during only the four years that Power Platform has really officially existed as a uh, as a brand in, in Microsoft portfolio. Mm. So during, uh, let's say, two years ago, the focus was still a lot on ma- uh, kind of catering to the, the app makers' uh, needs. First of all, integrating the dynamic capabilities dataverse which of course has this xrm history behind it from the CRM era so bringing those tools together and ensuring that the sort of quality of those tools is uh, up to the standards for to be used in enterprise scenarios and maybe during the past uh, two years then there's been lots of investments on particularly the the admin and governance side so ensuring that uh, bigger organizations uh, sort of uh, that they dare to adopt the platform, proving to them that this actually is as big and as good as the uh, the office uh, cloud services, for example. So uh, that has required a lot of uh, building new capabilities into the platform. And uh, in reality, there's only so many sort of uh, areas that Microsoft, uh, the product team can focus on at once. Hmm. Now, re- recently, during the past year, we have seen a bigger push now from Power Platform also to the to the uh, traditional developer audience. So the pro code audience that has been working with, with Azure technologies and who is building solutions in Visual Studio, getting them on board into this uh, low code trade is probably now a very big uh, priority for, for the product team there. And we are seeing that uh, there's now the story for how can also these Pro devs work alongside the uh, citizen devs in these projects, in this fusion development uh, model. So that's probably where we are going to be <clears throat> seeing lots and lots of new features coming along and more of this, uh, let's say, source code management type of features light up in the platform. Because that has been a bit of a pain point, of course, for taking things further. So uh, if you do want to have a, a good application lifecycle management story around these solutions, then you need to configure a lot. Hmm. So it's something that can be done when you are building a big uh, CRM system, for example, on Dynamics. But then if you have tens or hundreds of smaller applications, then how do you actually scale that? Answer has to be that you don't scale that with just the manpower alone, but you have to then use cloud services and also reach out to the AI capabilities, so machine learning to sort of uh, understand that how can we do a better job of uh, managing this code base that is uh, not so custom code, but is still configuration that is resembles code. So in ensuring that how can we live with this and uh, extend that in the long term, then that's something where I do see that will be, we can expect to see lots of new features from Microsoft coming to the platform in the next next couple of years, I would say. So I've heard a lot about governance. We need to have more governance tooling around these uh, 
platforms. So if I have to ask you, what do we mean by governance? Like, Is it security? Is it uh, uh, user management? Is it version control? Is it release management? How do you define governance? That is a great question. Yeah. So the way we frame it to our customers uh, when talking about Power Platform governance in particular is that it's all about putting the um, the guardrails around these um, local platforms so that the citizens can keep on developing their own apps to solve their problems and uh, to deliver a good user experience and allow them to innovate without then sort of blocking their their activities with these policies that we can build with the the governance admin tools in the platform. So it's always a it's a balance, especially in this uh, context when we are talking about uh, this new sort of uh, alignment of uh, IT versus the citizens, where the initiative comes from from the bottom up, and uh, we need to cater these policies to people who are not pro devs, who don't do this for a living, and who don't have uh, have a formal educational background in software development. So how do we then? sort of uh, allow them to use the right pieces from the cloud in a sensible way and sort of keep an eye on it that what they are applying it for without uh, sort of uh, kind of discouraging them from from learning and making better use of this of the platform as their capabilities grow over time so it's all about finding that balance really i would say yeah and i think part of the responsibility also lies with it to kind of rather than you know, seeing uh, low code, no code as a platform that they need to keep away from their department. They need to kind of maybe educate these CD and would be CDs, like what can you do and how can you do and hear some inspirational stories and why don't you get started? You know, like taking the ownership mm-hmm. of it rather than just, you know, uh, seeing it after the fact that, hey, someone is using Power Platform, someone is using Agile Point, someone is using Pega. Definitely. And it, it may be also a bit of a new role that doesn't necessarily exist within the organizations today. So this kind of uh, internal evangelism for these solutions. So sure, yeah, if you think about my background in CRM, then of course there's always been this, you need to have these evangelists who are advocating the proper use of these tools, what data should be recorded, where, how can you sort of... Uh, make your own workday more productive by these tools. But then this is uh, this goes a bit further even, the need for having someone to to drive the adoption of local tools in, in the organization and kind of uh, considering all the different uh, layers in it. So not just the uh, sort of uh, the maker story, the citizen uh, sort of uh, how they can build stuff that they didn't know they they had the capability for, but then also connecting that with the broader IT policies, the pro-code systems that exist in Azure for organizations already. So talking with many of these parties, then it starts to be a full-time job in not even a very big organization. And uh, yeah, we really are going to need to have a new, new breed of these uh, evangelists to be found and then supported and also, of course, funded within the organization to to make that kind of a transformation happen. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, and which brings me to the point that uh, what have you uh, lately been, you know, really excited about and what's on your mind lately? 
Yeah, well, I, I try to be, of course, a, a citizen developer myself as well. So uh, I spend a lot of time talking, especially about these governance topics with customers. But then I also uh, really, I need to get my hands dirty also on building these apps and sort of step into the into the uh, shoes of these uh, the app makers because I think that that's really that is where the the big revolution is happening. So hmm. all the technology around it, this is still all more about the gradual evolution of cloud technologies and machine learning and device mobility and so on. Yeah, and and you you can't be just standing out and you know propagating it. Hey, use this or use that. You you need to dive in and yeah. Yeah, you need to be a part of that movement. So I do keep a lot of uh, I keep my eye on whatever new features Microsoft is announcing on the platform. So, for example, the ability now to sort of combine these uh, the Power Apps uh, Canvas apps with their free way of designing the UI with the more structured uh, uh, CRM style model-driven applications, blending that user interface together and like bringing in the best of both worlds. That's where I've been recently experimenting with a few solutions and like seeing that, okay, my God, if I would have had this 10 years ago when I was building these uh, uh, CRM solutions or as part of the project team there, and I had to always order that from the pro devs and there would be a price tag on it that would be too high for it to be <laughs> prioritized. So it's amazing, like uh, in only a few years, we've kind of gone past the phase where something that used to require so much sort of coordination and effort and uh, custom code is actually becoming a part that you can just build if you are aware of it. So it kind yeah. of demonstrates the fact that there's so much to to learn and discover in these platforms that uh, you you need to have people with the, the right kind of uh, passion for it who are then given room to experiment a bit and uh, not always maybe sort of plan ahead and know that, okay, we we are allowed to use these tools for this and it, it can take X number of days and this is what the budget we have, but give people a bit more uh, space to innovate and explore because even with these kind of like one-day hackathons, you can build so many, I mean, almost production-ready applications within the organization or to get with customers so that it's you sort of need to see the, uh, see the art of the possible via continuously being there acting as a maker yourself as, as well. Not just like thinking about the big picture and uh, IT admin policies, but also everybody should be a maker, I think. Everybody should be a maker. Great. So talk to me about Fusion Teams. I, I noticed you wrote about it and I've seen Gartner write and talk about it. How much of, of it is you've seen out in on the ground, like Fusion Teams? First of all, what is a Fusion Team? And uh, have you really seen one? <laughs> Well, that, that is, a, of course, the question that uh, also, I mean, customers who read the Gardner reports should be asking that does this actually happen in the real world? Uh, so Fusion Teams, of course, are in short, it's about these uh, sort of cross-functional teams where you combine business people with uh, the IT folks or the programmers or whichever kind of uh, not coming from the same organizational team putting them together to solve a, a problem with with these local technologies, for example. So uh, this could then involve scenarios where in a customer organization, maybe they have uh, some 
existing legacy systems that uh, provide some key data about, for example, warehouse operations. And to get to that data, then the business users cannot just directly connect to it because it's not in the cloud. So surfacing that data via via an API that's built into a custom connector that then can be used from from Power Platform. That could be a, a example where the the pro devs uh, make the API visible. They use Azure API management and publish the connectors there, and then the business users come and then build, for example, the process automation around it. So they know that what actually needs to happen in in the day to day life and the tools for building uh, cloud flows with Power Automate are visual enough that they can actually then sort of uh, configure most of the logic there. So that kind of uh, small scale collaboration does happen all the time already, but then more officially, I mean, in a broader initiative, it's uh, it's still a bit difficult to to sell the idea, especially to the pro dev side. So as mentioned, it hasn't really been yet that long the the focus area for Microsoft to talk to the the Azure crowd that okay, what does Power Platform mean to you? Why should you be using low code instead of the the code that you are have been writing in C sharp or JavaScript for a living for many years? So why sort of make the trade off there? And uh, we are going to need a bigger ownership on that problem from from the the customer side really to make it happen. I think so. We cannot uh, rely on on the uh, sort of uh, traditional custom government to be trans- sort of moving away from their tools and into into these uh, graphical UIs alone. It doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense that it would, why would you give up that? Because it's not, the demand for custom code is not going down. There's just, there's gotta be more apps and solutions and uh, low code makes it the growth scale better but it doesn't reduce the amount of custom code running in total. So uh, we are going to need a bit more time maybe for for the developers and customers and also partners to sort of uh, accept this direction and the reality and then find a good good position and a way to motivate those uh, pro devs to also uh, try the uh, local tools and then see that, okay, this work that I've been doing with uh, with custom code, actually, this part is faster to be done via Power Apps, for example, and then letting that be offloaded to a different member in the team who then owns uh, maybe more about the the business process and the requirements coming to the team. So seeing how they can then work together. But it is a very big uh, cultural shift and uh, just like with the, the whole citizen development movement. So it, it's more about the maturity of the organization rather than the maturity of the underlying tech that is powering it. Hmm. That That's an interesting point, maturity of the organization than the platform. So uh, let's talk about, uh, while we try to conclude and give a message to our audience, like how do you make it sustainable? Like Someone is sold on this idea and this whole movement. How do we make it sustainable? Well, you gotta. I'd say that you need to start small, but you need to have a, a vision in mind about where where you want to go. So, making this uh, the challenge in a way is that uh, individuals can achieve great things with these tools pretty fast. But then, uh, unless we have someone in place who's 
role it is to make those results visible and also the the business benefit measurable, then we are not going to have a, enough business case to actually start internally investing into this kind of uh, the new way of uh, building applications, new way of taking ownership of these tools. So I think it really is, we are going to need a lot of this. Uh, often you need someone in the right sort of level of the organization to to take that initiative. So it's probably not going to be the C-suite who is going to be seeing the light and then also the people who are hands-on working there in in the sort of customer interface who are working, so building these apps, they might not then have the speak the language that's needed for presenting it then upwards in the organization. So, uh, so thinking about these different uh, roles to, or remembering that you need all these levels to be involved in making this change happen. So we cannot... Uh, we shouldn't just focus on on the low-code app developer or even pro-code app developer, but thinking about this chain that, okay, where do we need to build more communication channels in the middle to make these things visible? And kind of transforming this also into the real hard business metrics. So how do we save uh, money and time or improve the customer experience? That is sort of the role of traditional consultants. So it would be natural in these CRM style projects, but it's not mm. something that uh, has necessarily an owner yet if we are going by this the bottom-up way and the, with the slow code movement. So it's same problems, but from a different perspective, really. Yeah, you're right. And I see CRM consultants have done a lot of good hard work in <laughs> evangelizing you know, CRMs and maybe same needs to happen on the uh, LCAP and uh yeah you're right that's great okay so um uh, what do we expect in terms of uh, like coming years uh from your firm are you guys more into certain industries that you're before you'll be focusing on or you'll be trying to uh, you know kind of build upon your ip that you have already built and then take it from there i'd say that uh, we are really focused on helping the the customer organizations achieve more by this technology. So it doesn't mean that we wouldn't be also creating uh, vertical apps on top of the platform, but really the the biggest change that can come from low code is going to be that uh, organizational change. So we really then want to support those forward-thinking organizations to then achieve more by these technologies. So I think that's going to be our our focus for the coming years, uh, sort of living with them and uh, going about on this adoption journey of Power Platform, seeing what the stages there are, how can we gradually build build up the maturity of these practices within organizations, and uh, from there also seeing that what's going to be the demand for services, new types of services that the customers will then need to, to sort of support them on this journey. So as mentioned, we are also collaborating with many partners and we don't intend to try and own any part of the sort of uh, mm. the business here, but rather ensuring that everybody can then succeed and m- make more things happen thanks to Power Platform. Yeah, that's great to listen. That's great to listen. Okay. Uh, that was great talking to you, Zupa. And we would love to do a session in the future as well. Sure. Yeah, it's been great fun talking about this. <laughs>